Crooked Empires, Blood and Crystal, Chapter 1. It was usually warm in the Silken Coast, but today it was absolutely sweltering. It didn't help there wasn't a single cloud in the sky. The wind was attempting to take the edge off, but its efforts were wasted. The clawing heat in the breeze was too hot to cool and any shade offered by blankets hung on lines above the road was made unreliable in the turbulence. Song hated the heat, but her business was here and that was all there was to it. Her need to eat and drink didn't afford her much time to wallow in her basement bedchamber. Even that demanded rent. Her cloak didn't help matters either, especially because, for the moment, it would be wise to keep the hood up. It wasn't made of particularly heavy fabric, but it certainly didn't help with the heat. It did, however, make her look particularly foreboding, even despite the gaggle of old and infirm pressed tightly around her. They were all gathered at the edge of the bazaar for the day's sermon. There was a different mad preacher here every day of the month, each trying to get a different ideology off the ground. Today the crowd was particularly large, but that also made it close and all the more uncomfortable. She preferred the climate in the mainland of the Empire, but at the time she'd thought the whites insensitive and rather bigoted towards her, so had opted to come to Newman where the skins were darker and the Empire traditions less ingrained. It was a touch disappointing to find that, for the most part, she wasn't spurned because of her colour, but because she hailed from a distant and rival Empire. She was as out of place here as she had been in any of the other Western nations. It was strange to realise that she had been just as bigoted as the Imperials, but at least she was trying to do better now. Bloody hell did she wish she could go back to Oster now. Donations, donations for the profit, save your very souls for one low, low price. The zealot, come wizard on the stage, had finished his droll preaching for the time being, and had moved to retrieve a wicker basket on the end of a long wooden shaft. One silver bit is all it takes to absolve yourself of sin. There's a mighty good deal if you ask me, and if you can't make it to tomorrow's sermon down by the docks, another silver bit is all that is required to extend your heavenly cover. The preacher was white, but had taken to the local traditions with gusto for the purposes of fleecing the locals of their hard-earned coins. He had a long black and grey beard, sand-dusted robes and a flat-topped burgundy hat, complete with tassel. Not many people dressed that way now the Empire had control over Newman, but his dress endeared him to his ancient and vulnerable demographic, no doubt. Walking to the front of the stage, the preacher thrust the basket into the crowd where it was promptly showered in glittering silvers. "'Don't thank me,' the preacher espoused, sweeping the basket amongst the gullible patrons. Thank yourselves. This investment will pay dividends on the other side. Pockets free of coins allow one to ascend to the heavens. The basket swished in front of Song's face and held there a moment while the preacher eyed her pointedly. Her face was still obscured by the shadow of the hood, but she tilted her head back just enough to keep the preacher interested. Let him see the tan on her cheek, the scar through her painted lip. It had better work, because she'd spent her last silvers on this outfit. Whereas, he continued, pockets laden with selfish riches weigh one down. 
dragging you deep into the molten pits of hell. Rivers of gold and silver don't sound quite so appealing when you're burning and drowning in them all at once now, do they? Feeling the opportune moment creeping upon her, Song pulled back the hood on her cloak. She tried her best to look defiant but naive. Easy, because that was something often assumed of young women like her. Wrongly, of course. There was a marked change in the preacher's expression as he took in exactly what he was looking at. Her black hair, the charcoal rims around her eyes. She couldn't make herself much more of a lazy caricature if she tried, short of putting eating sticks through her bob. Both she and the preacher knew that someone as rare in these parts as her would draw quite the crowd, only she hid it better. What do we have here? The preacher pulled back the wicker basket from the audience, robbing salvation from those still rabid to fill it with coins. An outsider! She refuses to pay for salvation. Why would someone do this? Why do you do this? He asked her theatrically. I don't know. She replied as sheepishly as she could, despite her excitement. She had been patrolling the bazaar all day for just such a preacher, and this man had been the first who had so wholeheartedly taken the bait. I don't believe? A non-believer, the preacher repeated for the crowd's benefit. Well, what if I could convince you? Would you then give your coin willingly for salvation? I'm not sure. She did her best to look like a lost little lamb. Perfect! Make way, everyone! Let the girl up onto the stage! The preacher parted them with a dramatic hand gesture, then moved to the back of the stage to prepare. He collected the coins from the basket and stowed them in a pouch under his robes, then retrieved what looked like a stack of parchments. By the time he returned to the front of the stage, Song had clambered up and was facing the audience. She looked out over the crowd, past the flapping carpets, to the square. The bazaar was a mess of coloured canvas-top stalls and shouting tenders, and it was fairly busy out there today. Trade ships had come in from the Empire the other day, and a few days before that, a large caravan had arrived from Nock, so the stalls were stocked with both the boldest and the blandest of foods, and everyone was out obtaining the best ingredients to suit their tastes. Once she got out of the alcove cum nave, she wouldn't have much trouble getting away, if things came to that. What is your name, girl? the preacher boomed. It was a little condescending, but she would let it slide. Song Ji, she announced, now doing her best impression of a hair in carriage lamplight. Song, what an interesting name! Ji was her given name, but she had gotten tired of correcting people long ago. As a result, Song had become her name, whether she liked it or not. Fortunately, she enjoyed the western ring to it, and had come to think of herself more of a song than G anyway. Am I to assume you are from Marjor or the Amorous Isles? Song had to stop herself from scoffing. People from the Amorous Isles look nothing like Marjorans, though the Empire folk seemed to disagree. She found that particularly amusing, as Imperials all look very much alike themselves, more so than Easterners. All the way from Grod to Scold, and maybe even beyond that, you could come across two citizens that were more or less identical. I'm from Mordor. She attempted to make the western tongue sound more out of place in her mouth than it was. Ah, a Marjoran, 
the preacher announced as if all the puzzle pieces were slotting obediently together. Then allow me to welcome you to this land. He held out his large, hairy-backed hand and she placed her own relatively small one in his palm. He grasped firmly, pulling her closer and wrapping his other arm around her in a tight embrace. It may have supposed to have been threatening, but for the duration one of her hands was mere inches from a concealed blade. As he released her, his hand slipped around her almost as if he was copping a feel, but she knew there was a little more to it than that. He would pay for it either way. Perhaps he already had. She allowed herself a sliver of a smile. What's this? The preacher backed away, producing a small wooden stick from his own sleeve as if he had pulled it from amidst the folds of her trailing fabrics. Had he actually searched, he would have found things far more damning than a little twig, but it served his purposes. A Marjoran wand! He held the little polished stick up for the audience to see, producing a satisfying gasp. She, too, looked shocked, more for the preacher's benefit than the crowd's. This is why she won't adhere to the will of the gods. She thinks her own magic a match for theirs. Ha! He tossed the stick over his shoulder dismissively. It flew in a perfect arc, landing back in the box he had no doubt retrieved it from moments before. Song might have been the only one to notice. She wondered how often he played out that particular routine. She didn't doubt, however, that this was the first time he had a real Marjoran on stage to do it. The effect on the crowd would be incredible. What say we pit our magics against one another? You use your chaotic powers, and I will bring order from the gods. She nodded hesitantly. This was going rather well. Who knew one could enjoy their work so much? Look at these. The preacher flipped around the stack of papers in his hands and found them out, revealing them to be a handmade set of oversized playing cards. You may have seen their like in any tavern in the Empire. They are perfectly ordinary. He handed them down to a hunched crone near the stage to look over, and after she had confirmed that, yes, they were sheaves of paper with numbers and symbols drawn on, the magic duel could continue. Tell me three numbers, mystic witch. The preacher raised one eyebrow, fanning out the cards once again. Six? Song looked as if she was pondering for a moment, but she had made her mind up straight away. Can I choose another six? Yes, you may. The preacher closed the fan of cards and held the deck out in one palm, doing his best to look as imposing as the voice he affected. Six, six, and one more. Six? As she shifted her gaze from the preacher to the onlookers, she set her face into a scowl. She was the preacher's foil, after all. The devil's number! The preacher announced amid a flurry of gasps that might have been enough to change the direction of the wind on a less blustery day. The preacher bulged his eyes with faux hatred and determination. He must have been wondering what he had done to have found such a brilliant accomplice. Everything Song said played right into his hands. Funny that, but he was the overconfident sort, too brash to know when he was the one being played. I see you have begun weaving your foul hexes already. Very well. By the power of the gods, I shall transfigure your foul three sixes to a glorious eighteen. There was actually a round of applause from the audience for adding up. 
It was all Song could do to keep her amusement bottled. Hopefully it would make her look as if she was concentrating on her hexing. The preacher counted eighteen cards off the top of the stack and separated them into a second pile, then turned them face up and placed them back up on the top of the deck. Eighteen cards face up on a pile of fifty-two. He found them out one last time before passing them to Song. Shuffle those cards, if you would. Pour into them your foulest magics. Cause as much disorder as your demonic lords will allow. She began to shuffle, and despite the mundanity of it, the audience was transfixed. The wind picked up a little too, pulling a patterned carpet from its pegs and sending it flying over the gathered gawkers. One man fainted, or perhaps died, from the thrill of it all, or potentially the intense heat. He hadn't yet the chance to give up his earthly silver for salvation. Shame that. Nobody, Song included, cared all that much. Too transfixed on the spectacle to care. She considered that they might each have to pay an extra silver to absolve that sin. Now pass them back to me, the preacher commanded. He winced as he took them, dancing them in his fingers like he had taken a hot cauldron straight off a campfire. These are filled to the brim with bad omens and dark hexes, but worry not, for the power of our gods will protect us and restore order. As he spoke, unseen to the audience, he counted eighteen more cards off the top of the deck. As he separated them, he flipped over one of the piles. Song wasn't sure exactly what that did, but knew that there couldn't be much more to the trick if a hack like this was performing it. The gods work quickly, look! He held up both sets of cards. Already they are in order. Both piles now contain exactly the same amount of face-up cards. Wow! Song proclaimed, as if he was winning her around from her heretic ways. How many? I cannot tell you how many, the preacher twitched at a chink in his holy armour. The gods work in mysterious ways. All I can say is that they are the same. They have pulled order from your chaos. Song was impressed. For a con man and a hack, this man was a consummate professional. Look! The preacher handed one pile of the cards to Song and counted off his own onto the floor. All in all, there were twelve face-up cards. Now you! Song had thought about inverting her pile while everyone was distracted and ruining the trick but things played more into her favour if it all went according to the preacher's plan. She counted her own cards onto the floor, and what would you have it? Twelve! the preacher announced, swiftly bowing before sweeping to the back of his stage to retrieve the money basket. He held the wooden shaft towards her at a great distance as if he were fending off a bear with a spear and not begging money off a diminutive woman. Will you now accept the superiority of the gods? Will you donate to save your soul? No, she shouted, adding a little snake's hiss, prompting a half-gasp, half-scream from the crowd. It matters not, the preacher pulled her coin purse from the folds of his robes. She pretended to be shocked, as if she hadn't known exactly what the man had been doing when he pulled her into an embrace. There was only three coppers in it anyway. It is my job to save the souls of those who are truly lost. That is why the gods ferried your coin to me. She saw it as a fair trade. Three copper coins for eternal salvation. 
Oh, and she mustn't forget the coin purse that she took from beneath the preacher's robes while he was taking hers. That was well worth the trade. A nice light leather pouch, dyed in brilliant blue, and filled with countless silvers. Thank the gods the coins weren't as substantial as they used to be, or it wouldn't have been possible to have stolen so much. She thought about all she could buy now. Crackling pork, crisp, filtered water, or better yet, potent wines from the furthest reaches of the four empires. The preacher pulled in his basket on a stick and dropped her coin purse inside. It tinkled pitifully. It was at that point Song considered her job completed. Seeing her way to make a quick exit, she dropped to the floor and started shuddering. The demons! They're leaving me! She cried with invented pain. There you have it! The preacher rolled with her display, either assuming her to be in on his ploy or some gullible waif hypnotised by his stage presence. Probably the latter, knowing his sort. She has been saved, and so too can you! The preacher thrust his basket into the crowd, and it was instantly showered in glittering coins. Song thought she might have even spotted a glimmer of gold in there. She felt the size of the stolen coin purse beneath her robe. It would last her a long time, but it still wasn't enough, and it seemed that because of her performance, the preacher would have more than double what he started with. That didn't seem fair, the mark coming out with more money than the grifter. She rolled over once undulating all the time in her demon expulsion, then rolled over again. She was laid right beside the preacher now, and he was leaning out to get donations from those at the back of the crowd. She knew what she had to do, and was fairly certain it was a good move. She flailed her arms and grunted as if a particularly large hell-beast had just wriggled its way out of her esophagus. Then with all her strength, she kicked the preacher on the back of his knee. Although she wasn't particularly strong, the hit was a surprise, and the man's leg buckled. He fell down, catching himself from tumbling into the crowd, but landing with a great crack on his knee. The hit was enough to send a shudder up Song's spine. Something must have broken, but even if it wasn't, the preacher wouldn't be chasing after her any time soon. He barked with the pain of it, but, to her surprise, kept hold of his donations basket. The jolt from the fall, however, had been enough to shake free more than half of the collected coins. They tumbled about the gawping crowd like glittering hailstones. Song feigned one last spasm and rolled off the edge of the stage. She hit the dirt with a thump, but didn't let that slow her down. She dragged her way between the legs towards where the coins had fallen, hoping to collect a good couple of handfuls in the confusion. Somebody get a surgeon for the preacher! Someone in the crowd shouted. Song crawled quicker, nudging feet aside and taking a few kicks to the ribs for her trouble. Only now was she thankful that the preacher had targeted such old and infirm people. If he had not, they might have had the sense to stop her from escaping. She supposed that many among them wouldn't even be able to reach down to her if they tried. Silver glinted from the dirt, and she shunted her way towards it. The crowd about her staggered, but nobody fell. They were all so tightly packed into the alcove that it didn't seem possible. She took the silver coin and sequestered it away, then moved for the next, her eyes scanning constantly for the yellow hue of gold. She kept moving, grasping handfuls of silver where the coins had collected in heaps. By the time she was halfway to the back of the crowd, she might have doubled her haul, but couldn't be certain. 
She'd picked up and stuffed so much dirt into her robe and against her belly, it was impossible to tell the difference between silver and stone. Then she saw what she had been looking for, a shimmer of golden sun amongst the dust and grime, a gold coin. The surgeon can wait, the preacher bellowed, though there was a warble to his once commanding voice. Someone get a guard! That girl still has a demon in her and it needs to be stopped! Song swallowed. She knew the smart thing to do right now would be to get the hell out of there. She also knew that she was far more reckless than that. She lurched forwards like a panther onto its prey and snatched the coin up in a fist of sandy earth. People fell away from her barrage between their legs. Like she had thought, there wasn't enough room for any one person to topple to the ground, but a lot of people lost their balance. Unable to stand back up, but also unable to fall all the way down and regain their balance that way, they lolled upon one another in limbo. Unfortunately for Song, when these people tipped away, they unveiled her like blooming petals exposing lurid yellow florets. Though she might not have looked so magnificent, curled upon the floor, clutching a puck of dirt in both hands. Someone stop her! the preacher yelled, then winced at an attempt to move. For one terrible moment, his and Song's eyes met. Thankfully, however, the awkward moment was cut short, as one of the old patrons mustered all the strength he had left and kicked Song in the face. She reeled from the strike, collapsing against the wall of already floundering bodies, but she didn't let go of the gold. There was a yelp of pain, of course, but right now she was more concerned with getting away before any guards arrived. Zinden Jail was not exactly the sort of place she wanted to end up. Especially because, being on a foreign continent from the capital, the Imperials were a lot more cavalier with their attitude towards slavery and torture. She tried to claw herself to her feet, groaning with the effort and feeling quite sorry for herself. The kick to the face hadn't been particularly forceful. She didn't think anything had fractured, but it damn well hurt. By the gods, she hoped it didn't look so bad. She had no illusions of being beautiful, and didn't particularly mind being plain but the thought of being ugly made her shudder. Life was always hardest for the ugly. Nobody wanted to do them any favours, lest they be tarred with the same brush. Stop, thief! came the cries of distantly approaching guards. God damn it, she had lingered too long. Thrusting herself upright, she staggered to the side and elbowed the old man who kicked her in the stomach for good measure, then set off as fast as she could for the centre of the bazaar. If there was any hope of losing the guards, it would be in there. Thank you very much for listening. Please give us any feedback on my website, charlesxcross.com. You should be able to leave a comment on the blog post where this podcast was posted. Do all the things that everyone normally asks you to do. Leave us a five-star review or whatever you think's uh, appropriate. We're just uh, trying to learn here at the minute. We're trying to record everything ourselves, design the logos, make the music. We're just doing our best. This is our first episode, so hopefully things will get better sound quality-wise. Uh, if anyone could give us any tips, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. See you next time.